Welcome to the next instalment in our podcast series, It's the People Stupid. Today's topic is all about the financial responsibilities of employers and recently I was delighted to spend some time with the wonderful Mr Ian Gardner who is the Consulting and Finance Director for Breslin's Accountants. They are specialist accountants based across the Midlands and we had a wonderful discussion. Welcome to our latest edition of our podcast it's the people stupid uh, I'm joined today by the wonderful mr. Ian Gardner Ian is the consulting and finance director for the top Midlands accountancy practice Breslin's and uh, I'm delighted that we've got an expert to talk all things money and business welcome in thank you very much Anthony it's um, an absolute delight to be with you this morning in the light of the revelations that people can make careless errors about £27 million worth of revenue. Uh, We wanted to talk today about the requirements that businesses have around finance and particularly around the financial side of their employees um, because it's a topic actually that isn't spoken about very often and it's very important that we do get these things right. So uh, great to have someone who's got phenomenal expertise in this area and I I guess the starting point may be just the, the basic financial responsibilities that an employer has towards its employees yeah they're um multitudinous if that's the correct word there are are an awful lot of responsibilities and a lot of them are determined by the type of business for example there are differences between sole traders partnerships and also limited companies and then there's a whole bunch of, of different limited companies um probably the starting point i would say is to always consult professionals um, business is a lonely place. Um, it's tough. Um, it gets tougher as as the economy um, gets much harder to to actually make profit in. But consulting with professionals is a good starting point. Mm. Um, even if you consult with professionals, you can't be certain to get it right. But at least you've got a decent chance of getting it right. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. That there's a there are a whole host of different responsibilities. I guess. From our point of view and for our audience, which is very much looking at the people side of things, um, there's a contractual agreement immediately in place between an employer and an employee. And that will, of course, or legally needs to include how much somebody's getting paid and what the terms of their employment are. Um, how important do you think it is for an employer to pay their employees on time? I think it's massively important um, and it's, it's almost fundamental. Um, for a whole variety of reasons. Uh, at Breslin's, when we look at a company um, on, from a consulting point of view, we consider that there are four main areas to look after. Uh, one, one is finance, because we're accountants, so finance would be there. Um, the other is the administration of the business, the uh, operational aspects, the technology. Um, the third one is sales, because without sales, um, there isn't a business, really. Mm. But the fourth aspect, and, and this makes the acronym FAST, the fourth aspect is team. Um, and we always raise that with every client that we've got, whether it be a new client or an existing client. We talk about the team 
and the team includes the, the looking after the compliance side of things, making sure that you look after your staff, that you retain mm. your staff, but also the development of the staff. So pay is like the starting point, but there's an awful lot more behind it. And, and regardless of the size of business, we'll always bring up the, um, the, the, the team aspect of it. And, and at this time of year, particularly when we've come out of Christmas, we're in those dark early months of the year, and there's a long gap, particularly between pay in December, typically, and pay in January. Um, it's been a tough time for everybody regarding the cost of living crisis, you know, the impact of Brexit, the some impact of the Ukrainian war, etc. Um, people rely on being paid on time on the basis that all of their personal matters are set up around being paid at a certain date. Um, so, you know, mortgage, rent. Um, council tax, whatever your bills are, you're, as, an, as an individual, of course, you rely on your employer uh, to pay you on time. Yeah, the, the, the knock-on impact is, uh, can be devastating. It, it, um, for employees, it could mean the difference between coping and not coping. Mm. So the responsibility, I think, is, is, is a great one. I think it extends also to suppliers. Um, paying on time, particularly with small independent suppliers, is massively important. Yeah, I think that whole, everything's connected. So go to your acronym first. Every bit of that links together. It all involves people, whether it's the people owning and running the business, the people doing the admin, the people making the sales, or the people in the teams that are delivering. It's all connected. And if you, if one part of that chain breaks down, as you say, it has a devastating effect on people, which uh, puts that onus and that responsibility very much on the owners and the employers themselves to take that seriously. It, it does put the onus on them, um, and it, and it go back to again the fact that it's really tough being in business. It's really lonely, mm. but some of those aspects can be taken care of by professionals. Mm. So um, payroll, for example, uh, you can get very reasonable payroll solutions. So regardless of the size of your business, I think that's a good option. Um, if if you're a, a, a director of a small company, you can actually use payroll to take uh, uh, salaries that are tax efficient. Um, so that's a good thing to do. The, the use of professionals is is probably, for me, one of the most important parts for a startup business because you can easily miss some of the requirements that uh, that legislation places upon you. Yeah, and I think that's this sort of um, running a business and having done so for a long time, I'm fully aware of the stresses and the, the loneliness and the pressure. Often early stage, you, you're tempted to make what you see as cost-saving shortcuts. You think, oh, I can't afford that or I can't do that. The, the risk of doing that is, f and, and making shortcuts is often far greater than doing the right thing. But it's an easy trap for businesses to fall into. It is. Um, the, the, the start of our, of our acronym is, is finance. Mm. Um, and I'd probably include within that um, planning, whether it be um, a typical sales planning for the future business plan but but probably more likely where we're talking would be a, a cash flow forecast to make sure that all of the requirements can be covered whether it be insurance that that's an absolute necessity or, or looking after mm. the staff which i personally consider an absolute necessity as well um, the uh, success of a business depends upon the staff always without doubt and in times like this when we are teetering on the edge of recession and we've had a very very difficult economic climate for a few months i'd imagine there's also some challenge for businesses who are struggling with that cash flow to make sure they make those 
payments on time. We're, we'll all read examples of businesses who are struggling and they treat employees really badly. Uh, I would imagine that if you are a business owner facing tough times, it's about making sure you communicate with people if there's any difficulty as well, so that you're being honest and open rather than trying to hide things and then leaving people high and dry. I, th- I think, think that, that's, that's fair to say. Um, I think in particular over the difficult last few years, We've seen that um, the national media, the, the, the press, the government have all highlighted the difficulties that businesses will face. From um, having done 40, 40 odd years in banking, corporate and business banking, I probably see the dangers coming out of that difficult period as businesses start to recover mm. because that's, that's difficult in itself. Um, and the, the, the sector that, that I see amongst my clients and, and, and connections that's facing the most difficulty at the moment is hospitality. So okay. ha- having had uh, a couple of really tough years, including lockdowns where they weren't able to actually do their job, they're now coming to a period where times are still tough. I mean, we're, we're in January and dry January <laughs> really has a terrible impact on um, hospitality businesses. Uh, those businesses that are still surviving, and there are a lot that aren't, those businesses that are still surviving have to think about uh, how they employ their staff, the terms and conditions on which they employ, employ them, how often they're open, whether they can deliver a full service or not, what looks like this week, what will it look like next week or next month. All of those things become incredibly difficult. With the cost of living, prices need to go up. So there's, there's so many issues, the challenges that those businesses are facing. Yeah, I think the hospitality sector as a whole has been one that's really been, it was massively and negatively affected by lockdown and COVID and all of the restrictions that it was placed under. We know know, people who've just left the industry, so there are resourcing issues, staffing issues, which have a huge impact. But I'm also, as you said, very aware of those challenges. The cost of heating and lighting an establishment on a miserable January day when there are hardly any customers. You must must be looking at just draining money out Mm. of the business, which of course isn't sustainable for many. I'm aware, and one of the things we wanted to talk about this morning is the, the, some changes that are taking place within the hospitality industry as well in terms of legal changes. So um, the tipping laws have changed or are changing. Could you take us through what they were as of before the change and what's changing for those people working in hospitality? Yeah, one of the biggest challenges for um, that industry, the hospitality industry, aside from staff retention, which is, which is probably the number one challenge, uh, one of the other biggest challenges is, is government legislation and changing legislation. Um, and it's in all sorts of areas, um, whether it be uh, food hygiene or um, intolerances or anything to do with the actual operation of the, of the business. When it comes to staff, it becomes even more critical. Um, and one of the things about hospitality is that staff can, can earn tips and gratuities. Mm. Um, the laws up until now have been a little bit vague and have resulted in um, businesses being able to offset some of the tips against their own costs mm. or retain some of the tips or not give the tips in full or make charges about the collection of those tips rather than pass them straight on to the staff member who's earned them. Uh, and what's what's been the result over years is is a variety of different practices, and the legislation aims to resolve those discrepancies and and set new standards so that everybody is clear and the, the industry is absolutely clear. I guess, in fact, I'm sure I, I see it as a, a as, as good legislation, um, because it uh, it gets 
he gets the intended recipient the money that they deserve for good service and the industry as a whole and the businesses will benefit through good service and good businesses will grow by delivering good service i think if we if we step back i'm fully aware and can remember that there were many businesses who would literally use service tips and gratuities as a way of actually topping up staff pay to meet minimum wage mm-hmm. requirements, which of course was outlawed some time ago. Whether that's heavily governed or monitored, I'm not sure, but it was definitely mm-hmm. made a change in terms of businesses were no longer allowed to make up pay rates to be the legal rate using tips. Then we went to the stage of, as you said, those organisations were still able to take some of that money away. So this is now a mechanism of saying all of the tips that are paid into an organisation so for service and for good service by those employees should then go to the employee on top of their minimum wage requirements. Yes, that's correct. Um, Interestingly, in the United States, there are some states where uh, tips uh, contractually can make up the salary to the minimum wage in in the state. And that could have been a way that the the government uh, decided to go. But the new legislation uh, does mean that all of the money collected through tips and service charge paid by customers must be paid to workers. Um, it, it won't be possible to uh, cover any administrative costs of collecting or distributing tips. Um, and the costs of doing that must be borne by the business. From a business perspective, it might be seen as um, an additional cost in some cases. But from um, from an opportunity perspective, uh, and certainly I think as a as a as a customer at restaurants, I'm, I'm enormously pleased that I can be assured that uh, any tip that I decide to give will go to the the member of staff delivering it, and and I would expect to see an improvement in in service quality across the industry. Quite frankly, I think I mean to me touching on the USA, I'm so glad that I don't work on a national basis in the USA because their whole legal system is state by state. So you do have the challenge of literally lots and lots of variants all across the country. But I think you're absolutely right to me. This is this mindset to me and where this comes heavily into our arena is it's the value of people. I think a lot of business owners will just see it as cost and we're being forced to do more. But it's nothing to do with that. If you've got a your culture right and you get your people right and Focusing on hospitality, if you're experiencing good service, you want those people who are delivering that to feel properly rewarded from the tips and gratuities they're getting as a result of doing a good job. That Doing that good job drives more customers to your restaurant, hotel, venue, whatever it may be, and it's a simple loop as far as I'm concerned if you're delivering something outstanding you'll you'll benefit because your business will thrive I guess the businesses who will still try and maybe squeeze that regulation as much as they can will be the ones who hopefully their staff will do the right thing as far as they're concerned because they don't deserve to be um, treated badly so why should they work there it's um, it's interesting to me because already our um, our better clients in the hospitality industry are, are already making plans to um, to implement the legislation and, and use it as an opportunity as an opportunity to um, improve staff contracts to make staff contracts clear to um, 
to actually use it as a tool that will improve staff retention mm. and make make the whole business a better place for staff to work at. It, it's a it's a tough industry to retain staff at the moment. Mm. Um, Post COVID, there have been difficulties in staff retention, in staff recruitment, and the quality businesses need to retain quality staff. Um, so it's a good thing um, that there are more requirements to the to the legislation. One of which is that um, the tips must be paid in a timely fashion, which means within the month after um, the tips have been have been um, paid, and that's a good thing as well. It it, it goes back to what we said about. Um, um, employer responsibilities in terms of pay. There's another responsibility now, and that's to pay away the tips. And tips can be quite substantial. Um, they're not going to be small amounts. Um, the other part, which um, from an accountancy background is, is is important, is that businesses must keep detailed records of the tips. Um, and that, so they must keep records about the collection, the distribution of tips, and how that's likely to be implemented. Goes back to the, the sort of the FAST acronym again about administration administration of of the of the business um and the government will be able to view those records so that again another requirement and another reason for the businesses to contact both hr professionals and also accountancy professionals i I was about to ask you about how it's going to be monitored or regulated by government i guess that's going to be picked up through audit and tax returns and people being able to look into or the HMRC being able to look at a business's records to see whether those tips have been correctly allocated and obviously any indiscretions or questions around how well those records are kept will potentially then get inspection and visits from HMRC. Exactly, exactly that Anthony, exactly that. It's um, It actually goes a little bit further in that the uh, records can also be requested and inspected by staff members. Ah. So it's very, very transparent. And on top of that, um, that there's that there's a potential for those records and, and the way a business deals with them to be used um, in employment tribunals in the future. So the, there's a, there's an inherent risk if it doesn't if a if a business doesn't comply with this legislation. I, or this proposed legislation, I should when's say. When's it meant to come into force? Yeah, it's it's in the Lords at the moment. Um, should get royal assent probably April May time. Okay, so it's imminent. Yeah, uh, uh, that part about the employee employees having access to those records to me is really important. This the idea of transparency, and someone can say, well, I know that I was given this much in tips last Friday night, whatever and I haven't received it, it gives you that real opportunity. A thought popped into my head immediately when people are giving cash tips, that's going to be far harder and far easier, I guess, for an unscrupulous uh, employer to perhaps hide some of those more easily than something that's done electronically. And I know many people don't use cash nowadays, but I would imagine that's a potential area of some risk for the employee where it's hard to prove that I left a £20 tip in cash as opposed to actually putting the gratuity on my card when I paid by card. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're right. Um, I, I suspect it's one of those things where cash can cause all sorts of difficulties, not not just in this instance, but um, with tax collection in particular and, uh, and accurate recording of turnover and profit. Mm. Um, I think with the move towards a cashless society, it's, it's a decreasing problem and... Um, Businesses that take increasing amounts in cash are, are going to become the min- minority as we move forward. Um, and I guess, rightly or wrongly, sorry. No, and I guess in that situation, if if I was you know waiting a table and got given the cash tip, I can take that there and then because it's been given to me. So it doesn't necessarily get seen by anyone anyway, does it? No, no. 
There's, there's, um, I guess from a society point of view, a, a lot of wait staff tend to be younger people as well. Um, I, I suspect when well, I've, I've worked in restaurants from sixteen, seventeen, and when I did, I think I'd have preferred cash, quite frankly. Yeah, I can relate to that from a personal experience too. I also I wanted to pick up on one thing you just touched on about how quickly those tips need to be paid by the business as well. I think you mentioned earlier, and I wasn't going to ignore this about the importance for businesses to pay suppliers quickly. And it it dovetails nicely there. The the one thing about a hospitality sector is it's cash rich. You know, it's you, you you pay on the spot for your meal. You have to pay for the tickets in advance. You're buying your beer and wine at the bar in a transaction where the cash is generated. So at least from a hospitality point of view, there should be no excuse for them not to be able to pay because they've got the cash because they've already had the money. Um, from another perspective many businesses and this is a as long as i've been in business which is many many decades now um the constant challenge of slow payment and repeated governments of all persuasions or both persuasions because we don't have more than two um often coming up and saying we're going to tighten up on this terrible um, lack of enforcement or regulation or, or, or law around this. It's still a perennial issue for businesses. Why is it so important that you do pay your suppliers on time? It, it has been a big, you're quite right, it has been a, um, an enormous problem and it continues to be and it does seem to stem very often from the larger businesses, mm. from the, the national operators, the multinational operators. Uh, it's, it's a problem because of cash flow and cash flow for further on down the chain. Um, businesses having to wait for money means that they've got less money to spend themselves and that becomes a, an enormous problem. Trying to get change is difficult, so to see th- this legislation, have it inbuilt that the monies must be paid by the following month is a good thing. It's interesting because we, we occasionally come across businesses out there um, that might use, let's say, um, VAT receipts as a way to fund their own business. But frankly, the, the money doesn't belong to the business. So in the case mm. of VAT, the money belongs to the government. And in the case of these tips, they belong to the employee. Mm. So I think that trying to have a much more regulated uh, payment environment for suppliers would also be a good thing. Mm. Because the, the, there's certainly a case to say that that money belongs to the supplier. I, I do feel it's a problem that, that probably starts at the top. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think um, it's almost always driven by large corporates. Uh, and I can understand yeah, the numbers involved and the amount of money that they're dealing with, but they look at the profits that a lot of those businesses make. And I know from way back certain you know, monoliths of industry whose mantra was to sit on cash mm. and to pay slowly because it was their money and they could be the bully in that. And, go, and it is bullying. It's big corporates pushing small suppliers around. And interestingly, you know, the, the, com- the country as a whole is generally made up as a very small number of large corporates and a huge number of smaller enterprises that are supplying them all the time but it has a massive impact and it you know I I get very frustrated by the lack of regulation and the lack of responsibility that's placed in law on those bigger businesses to pay suppliers on time. I think the the other things I wanted to cover and and with you here is things like um, what are good rewards packages for employees as well. We talk about uh, how important it is to deliver good service and to have great people and of course you have the legal requirements of being 
in the space of you know, making sure you pay your at least your minimal requirements according to the law and according to the contracts that you've got. But what about other benefits that you think uh, you see within organisations that are good to offer? I know there's no sort of template for this, but what sort of things do you feel are, are valuable for businesses to offer employees? Hmm. There's such a wide range, but I think there's, there's an, an underlying theme and the, the, the theme is, is how our work-life balance is changing all of the time. So the benefit that I see that many employees like to see is to have more time for themselves, mm. whether that be flexible working, hybrid working, maybe moving to a four-day week, which I think is something that Cream have done. Yeah. Um, so I think those type of benefits are, are um, very high up on the agenda for a lot of my clients. Um, also, I think a, a stake in the business. There are, there are a number of businesses where they, uh, they give all employees the stake in the business. And then there are some where key employees get a stake in the business. Referring back to hospitality, I don't think it's unusual now um, for um, top chefs to have a, a stake in the business as a way to um, retain them, have some skin in the game, for example. So I think um, a degree of, of, of equity in the business is a nice thing to see as, as a bonus. As a society, we, we, we increasingly value the health of our employees it's it's another good thing to uh, to have a healthy workforce, satisfied work workforce. So I think benefits around that are also a good thing to do. Um, I, I guess, um, and it, it's cropped up in a few conversations just lately. Uh, consultation with the staff as to what they value is is a great starting point. I'd probably advocate. I mean, I, in fact, I do advocate to my clients to bring in um, HR professionals at a very early stage to have a conversation about this. So, for example, Cream, Cream HR will be an ideal uh, introduction to um, my clients to start talking about what they might be able to do. Uh, it, well, thank you for that, because it's always good to hear that you'd be happy to recommend us. Um, that whole benefits thing, I think you're right. It's it's such a big piece of um, this, getting the employment right and getting the culture right for people. I think what we've done and what we've learned from the experience of COVID and the pandemic is that a lot has changed and people have had a, a really good opportunity to look at what's important to them. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think consulting employees about what's important to them, um, that really makes a difference. I think this whole piece of, I think the days, it goes back to that whole bunch of big corporates and I'll introduce a fantastic new idea that someone in the board or in senior level has come up with, which is of absolutely no interest to the employees or the people it's aimed at because they haven't engaged with them or talked with them at all. It's really imperative that you include all of those people in your organisation who do the work for you and deliver the service or sell the product in what they want and what's interesting and what's of interest and of value to them. Um, yeah, we've certainly seen uh, holidays and flexi working as a, a constant theme and I don't think that's going to go away, I think. Um, it's important that people have a better work-life balance. That's become really, really significant for people. Um, but I like the piece around the ownership. I mean, we see it with a number of our clients, and whilst we're not experts, you do need to get financial experts in to do that, such as yourselves, mm -hmm. because creating those share ownership schemes is a lot of complex work to do. But I do, yeah, we know lots of organisations that we've worked with over the years who have created really interesting share schemes for either everybody or key employees and that's been of great value for those people it gets a, the amount of buy-in 
and commitment you get from a team who've got some stake in the business mm. is really significant. And, and I guess you know, without just popped into my head, you know, John Lewis and Waitrose would be a classic example of how successful that can be. I think it would be unusual for anyone to say that when you go into any of those shops, um, that um, the service you get there just is often a little bit better. And I think that's largely down to the fact that the employees are partners in the business and they get the benefits from the success of the organisation. It helps them be a bit better. Mm. It's um, I, I I know I know the John Lewis um, story quite well. My my wife used to work for the partnership, and the the difference in approach that um, the that that business makes is 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 quite phenomenal. It, it really does have a collective view in terms of all issues and the uh, the transparency issue crops up again in that they're very very open with um, with their staff and, and a lot of issues a lot of, of quite mundane issues are, are, are regularly decided by the partners um, I, I feel that's achievable in smaller businesses mm. in fact I know it's achievable in smaller businesses um, at Breslin's ourselves um, we uh, have a, a great engagement with the way we operate um, we moved quite quickly to hybrid working. We still have hybrid working. Uh, employees get time off for their birthdays, for example. A whole bunch of things that have been driven by the employees of the business. Um, and, and what results is, a, is a, a very happy workforce, a committed workforce, an engaged workforce. Um, and that goes further because we um, the, the, the staff can also drive new initiatives. Mm. And you only get that when you have the first bits, the commitment, the engagement, feeling as a team. And, and that's what we've got. And, and it feels like that's what you've got here at Cream HR as well. I think it's great to hear. And I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that's, they're so simple. Doing, giving someone extra holiday, it, it, the payback's massive. It seems to, oh, it's a, it's a cost. When we moved to the four-day week, and we've recently reviewed how, how everyone feels about the four-day week, we, we've no intention of going back. Um, our worry as a business was, would we drop the ball with any clients would we miss something would it cause us an issue and that hasn't happened at all i know of tempting fate um but the value to everyone of having that extra day is huge and there's no way we want to change that um so it, it isn't hard to do and i want to point out at this moment that we on the basis of transparency in no way have we taken any financial incentive from john lewis and partners or waitrose for promoting them and i also on this on that topic i was aware i was reading of uh, one of the big discount supermarkets last week i'm sure i saw that they did their third pay rise to their staff in 12 months which again it, to me shows a really smart employer that values their staff well they know the world is difficult they don't want their staff to be suffering any more than they have to so be you know they're a profitable business so from a profit point of view it makes perfect sense for them to make sure they look after those people because they won't lose them i mean that's the other thing that this is all about really everyone looks at this as a base cost and it's just money it's not it's an investment and the cost of losing good people because you've tried to penny pinch is just off the scale it's nowhere near how much it costs the business to do it right and to make sure that they don't lose people by creating a great environment to be in the uh, the cost certainly resonates with me as an accountant so <laughs> it um, it com comes back to that a lot of times we we always um we always thought that um as an accountancy practice our clients expected us to be open at certain times 
Um, we still are, we just deliver in a different way and we probably deliver in a more efficient way. So it's all good as far as we're concerned. As for um, John Lewis and promoting them or recommending them, I'm happy to provide consultancy services to them. They only have to ask. <laughs> Excellent. Um, one of the things that's changed around the workplace, I guess, is with hybrid working and a lot more people working remotely. I read something yesterday about some Google employees who are really, there's a lot of anger around Google on the basis that I think they've just announced a, a very large number of redundancies and the employees didn't know simply that when they went to log on, they were directed to a layoffs page. So their access had been cut out of the business and they were just taken on. The, I don't know how accurate that is. I've hastened to add that I read that on news reports of yesterday. But hybrid working's changed a lot of things. So one of the things as a, as a smaller business owner, you're potentially investing money in your staff and they may have lots of equipment of yours at home. Um, I'm thinking about tech, obviously. So, you know, if someone's using certain products that are very expensive or they've got cars. How difficult is it for businesses now? So if someone's disgruntled, they've had an argument and you know, have decided to, to resign and they owe or they've got a lot of your property at their house, you owe them notice pay or salary or whatever contractually you owe as an employer, but they're sitting on lots of value of yours that they haven't got. How would you sort of deal with those sort of issues? Do you come across those things? Because we, we do from time to time. Uh, yeah, we, we do too, um, um, and increasingly so um, as, a, as a result of business failures, which uh, back to the hospitality industry have increased dramatically mm. in the last couple of quarters, quite frankly. So we come across those situations. I go back to earlier comments, really, and that, that is consult professionals. Um, the starting point is with the contractual relationship between employer and employee. So uh, we'd, be, we'd be more likely to go back to the HR company mm. involved, whether it's internal HR or with yourselves at an external company providing HR services. That, that, that would be the route that we would take. Um, for us, probably it's more um, an, a nuisance um, a nuisance value that that is resolved rather than the cost of the equipment, for example. Um, but the nuisance value can really distract a business and have a very adverse impact on everybody else as well. So the quicker that these things can be resolved and the, the more professionally they can be resolved, the better. Um, so, yeah, we, we would refer to HR companies. It's interesting because we, we come across these situations and it's always a business cannot legally withhold paying someone what they're entitled to either through law or through the contract um, and of course an employee can go to a tribunal and make a claim for unlawful deduction from wages which um, but we're also aware that businesses feel that they're often messed around by employees who you know the employer may have done nothing it may be a, an employee who is having difficulties or whatever and they simply decide to have fun with an employer or what they consider to be fun by messing them around which is really challenging it's it's not easy you've just made me think back to very early in my career as an employee I can remember I had a company car and I'd been headhunted to go and join another business um, and the business I was leaving owed me an awful lot of money and I didn't trust them to pay me the money until so uh, you know they didn't get the car back until I had the money. 
because I just didn't trust them because I'd seen it before that they people had left and not been paid monies they'd been owned. So again, I guess fundamentally all of these things comes come down to a trust relationship between employer and employee to hopefully work through challenges as well as good times. Mm. It's um, it's a great shame that is, isn't it? Really, yeah. the trust breaks down. It's um, because you, you you like to think you build a great you built a great team, um, you trust the team, you, you all get on great, but uh, sadly that doesn't always last. Um, and 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 back then I I want it resolved as quickly as possible. Um, don't want any distraction for what we're trying to achieve as a business or our clients are trying to achieve as a business. So the uh, best way to resolve these issues with a professional, quite frankly, as quickly as you possibly can. I, I couldn't agree more. I, as someone who owns and, and runs a small business, I use professionals, so I do do that. But how can employers make sure they keep up to date on their responsibilities from the government? Because there's, there's a lot of information in, in the modern world. We just There's news feeds everywhere. So what's the, what would be your tips for a, a business owner to to make sure they are on top of what they need to do? It's um, it, it's an interesting question because I, I, I was actually thinking about it this morning, bizarrely. Um, I um, My background uh, is within banking, corporate, business banking, 40-odd years. And there was always, always a department there that looked after um, changes to legislation, changes to compliance requirements, HR. And on a daily basis, the banks would... Would feed in changes and 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 responsibilities to to the staff as a whole. Smaller businesses just don't get that. Um, and I mentioned earlier, it's a, it's a, a sudden lonely old place sometimes running a business. You need all the support you can get. Um, I I think um, industry groups, networking, making sure you stay in touch with your um, professional advisors, whether it be your um, your HR advisor, whether you've got a solicitor. That you should speak to all the time and and an accountant obviously because we're accountants um, i think regular contact communication professionals like you and i anthony uh, we um we are good at spotting what's coming up um, and flagging it up to our clients and prospects and the network that we've got um keeping those communication channels open and making the most of them um, I think because we do an awful lot of, of networking, um, um, often includes beer because I like beer, quite frankly. Um, and I was determined to get that bit in because I do like beer. Um, <laughs> but during the networking events, what we try and do are bringing, uh, bringing relevant professionals to talk about changes in, in their particular industry. Make it an open forum um, so that um, our clients, our connections can ask questions. And it's those sort of opportunities where you you um you get the chance to ask what's particularly bothering you or or a concern that you might have as a small business owner um you 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 get that if you're part of a professional body but sometimes they can be a little bit dry and the mm. communications you get from um the uh the various professional bodies don't always sort of deliver it in in a in a manner that that is easy to digest business owners are busy i mean you know if if you're not busy you're not doing it right quite frankly so whether that's busy working on the job or busy working on the business and the growth of the business you're going to be busy you should be busy um so yeah use use your professional network mm, i think I'd that's I mean, <clears throat> really good advice i think I, I big corporates providing updates every day yeah they've got teams of people whose job it is is to com- make sure they're compliant very different in the smaller sector so i wholeheartedly support the fact that you should 
use professional advisors who are there to help and to make sure that they provide you with the information you need. Um, Ian, it's been fabulous listening to you and talking to you and with you this morning. Uh, you provided some great insight and some great information for our audience. Uh, I definitely owe you a beer. So I look forward to it. Thanks very much. I, I, I accept that offer and I'll uh, gladly enjoy it with you. Cheers. Thanks. Do, do we declare that as some sort of um, gift? <laughs> in fact, I think we're obliged to, in fairness. <laughs> Although it might be in my staff contract, aren't you? <laughs> Thank you. Cheers. <laughs>